We're picking up the story we left off last week in chapter 21. Uh, Jesus has just had breakfast with Peter and the disciples. And now Jesus is speaking to Peter one-on-one. He's pulled him away from the group of disciples after breakfast. And he's going to talk to him about the events that have just taken place. This story is the restitution of Peter. It says, when they finished eating, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Simon replied, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. Jesus asked a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Simon replied, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said to him, take care of my sheep. He asked the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was sad that Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He replied, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now when he's saying this, Jesus is, is getting Jesus to accept responsibility for the leadership of the other disciples. He was restoring him to leadership. And to be the leader of his fellow disciples. And then Jesus says, I assure you that when you were younger, you tied your own belt and walked around wherever you wanted. When you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and another will tie your belt and lead you where you don't want to go. He said this to show the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. After saying this, Jesus said to Peter, Follow me. Jesus said to Peter, follow me. This is the reading of the word of God for God's people, and God's people did say. You may be seated. Hey, help me out. Turn to someone and say, turn to someone beside you and say, no perfect people. No perfect people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Somebody, somebody um, learns that you go to Middletown Christian Church. You say, I go to Middletown Christian Church. And they say, well, what kind of church is it? Well, it's a church where there are no perfect people. We're a church made up of imperfect people. We, we truly are. I know you. <laughs> you, you. You know me. <laughs> Any church that would call me to be the pastor would have to be a church filled with imperfect people, Right? There are no perfect people here. We're, we're a people who come from different backgrounds, different places. We've all made mistakes. Um, we're all imperfect. Turn to the person beside you now and say, no fine print. You know, you know what I mean by that? You ever, you know, read the fine print at the bottom? This could be dangerous to your health or... What I mean by that when I say we're a church where there's no fine print at the bottom. You won't come here, get involved here, and spend a lot of time here, and then find out that there's a theology underneath the bottom of what's said publicly that will exclude you. There's no fine print. Now let me say this, we're trying to be that church. Okay, it's not easy. 
We're, we're trying to be a church that's honest that we're imperfect. We're trying to be a church that welcomes everyone, but it's not easy. It's not easy because you know why it's not easy to welcome people? Because we're, we're not perfect. That's why I love Peter. Peter is a very good example for us. Peter is just, well, he's perfectly flawed. He is really imperfect. And the great thing about him is his success and failures are put on display for all of us to see. Now, if I were going to write the bio, I'll tell you what I would do. Uh, I would have cleaned up all the characters and made them shiny and bright and without flaws to present the best face of the world. But I didn't write the Bible. That's what makes it so real and so compelling is that it's filled with people just like you and me. And what better example is the one who is the founder of the church that Jesus said, I'm going to build the church on your confession. You're the rock, Peter. To see see that the rock Peter is so imperfect, so wonderfully flawed. And in the story, we see his successes and we see his failures, right? At one moment, we see Peter. He is the first out of the boat and he is walking on water. Great moment. When Jesus says, who am I to the disciples? Peter goes, I know who you are. You are the Christ. You are the Son of God. Great moment. And then we see, we see Peter later on in the book of Acts. Powerful preacher. He preaches a gospel message. And in one message, thousands join the church and are baptized. And through his preaching and leadership, the church grows by leaps and bounds. But on the other hand, we also see his incredible failures right there for us to see. He's walking on water, but then he begins to sink in the water. He gets it right who Jesus is. He makes his confession of faith. And in the next moment, he's trying to tell Jesus what to do. He looks at Jesus who says, I'm going to be crucified, suffer, die, be raised from the dead. And then then Peter goes, no, that's not the way it's going to happen. I mean, how's that working for you, to tell Jesus what to do? He's trying to micromanage Jesus as the Son of God. Epic failure. Then in the Garden of Gethsemane, what happens? After all the preaching he's heard, you know, about the forgiveness and nonviolence and turning the other cheek, he pulls out a sword and slices off a soldier's ear, right? And then the most damning of all. Peter says, I will never betray you. I will never deny you and then three times before the cock crows three times I don't know you didn't know him didn't know him no no I don't I don't even know him at all we see his successes and we see his failures the reason this is so important for us to observe and to make note of is that it's how Peter grows We see two very powerful things in Peter's life, two constant things that happen again and again that turn Peter into the one who became the founder of the church. We see his honesty and his transparency. He put himself out there. Every time he failed, he would just jump right back again and again and again into the water. He would continue to put himself in a spot again and again and again. And who would show up? Jesus would show up again and again and again. Between Peter's honesty and transparency and being his real open self before God, God was able to do some great things in his life through Jesus, and Jesus was able to meet him. And the wonderful thing about the story is 
as messed up as imperfect Peter was, Jesus just kept going to him. That's what we learned from the story. Remember the, the map of, of Israel? In this map, we see Peter and the disciples were in Jerusalem, and after the resurrection, instead of getting to busy working for Jesus, he goes back to Tiberias, and all the other disciples follow him, and he goes back to his old job. And then in the story, what happens is Jesus shows up and restores Peter. As a church and as people, we can learn a lot from this. If we will open ourselves up and be real before God and show God who we really are and not try to hide or pretend and not be ashamed, God can do great things in our life too. It's how we change. It's how we grow. And I think that one of the mistakes we make in the church is that we tend to surf, walk around on the surface level. We deal with superficialities. We don't take advantage of what's happening here. We spend a lot of times talking about stuff that makes no sense or, or trivial information. Well, how big do you think the ark was? What is gopher wood anyway? What's a cubit? It's about the size of my thumb. How's the weather? Weather's great. And we go through church year after year never getting into the real stuff, and we miss out on the opportunity to really change because we don't ever really talk about what's going on. What's really happening in your family? What's really happening in your marriage? What are you really dealing with right now in your life? And because we don't get open and honest and real, we don't get the benefit of the growth. Let's do the work. Let's be that kind of church. Let's open up ourselves and be real so that God can really do the work. It's kind of like this. Imagine that you wanted to go see the Sistine Chapel in Rome. And you wanted to see this great work of art that Michelangelo painted in the 16th century. And you studied about it. You read about it in a book. And then you bought an airline ticket. And it was expensive, a round-trip ticket. You flew to Rome, and you walked up Vatican Hill, and you stood in line to go see finally this beautiful work of art you'd spent your whole life thinking about, and you were going to be transformed by the art and the work. And you stood in line for a couple of hours, and then you notice the gift shop. And you go in the gift shop, and you buy a poster, and then you go home. It's the same thing, you know. It's like we are here in the midst of the real thing, why not experience the real thing? Why just get a postcard? Why just get a poster? Let's let God do the work in my life and in your life. You know, I, I have this idea that I might stand before God and God would say to me, Hey, David, you went to church for 50 years. What were you doing? <laughs> You're the same person that I found. But we, ha we have to work at that. We have to make the church a safe place. We have to be honest that it's not always been a safe place. Because in a lot of churches, there is fine print. So let's have no fine print. And let's just acknowledge that we're not perfect people. And let's just let God do his work. Oh, look at what happened to Peter. Now, there are three simple observations, profoundly simple and refreshingly simple perhaps, from this story. The first is, as I've already been alluding to, is that simple observation number one is that we all fail and Christ brings us restitution. We all fail and Jesus brings restitution. But sometimes we stumble over that. I don't know why it surprises us that we fail. 
or that we make mistakes or why we hide or pretend when we're failing because we all do doesn't matter who you are like I said we're all imperfect so why do we stumble over that why is it so hard to accept the idea that Jesus is forgiving and wants to work in our life why is it so hard just to be real about our failure and to acknowledge it why I don't understand I don't know I'm the same way as you but one of the things I want you to know in this message is is know who God is when we know who God is it's it's easier to be honest You don't have to plead with God to forgive you. God, please forgive me. I beg you. I plead with you. I'll never, 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 never again. We don't have to because forgiveness is who God is. It's God's character. Uh, Go back in the book of Exodus, chapter 36, verse 4. God is revealing himself to Moses on the mountain and giving him the Ten Commandments. And uh, in Exodus 34, 6, and 7, he says, As The Lord passed in front of Moses. The translation should actually be in the Hebrew. God declared himself to be the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love, abound, just abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. And so when we look at Peter's story and we see how Jesus just keeps forgiving Peter. He's not having to beg for it. He just does it because it's just who God is. And then here's a really interesting thing. You go and you look at the end of the Bible. At the end of the Bible, now Peter's a more mature leader, and he writes an epistle in 1 Peter 5.10 from his own personal experience. This is what he's writing. This has been my experience in my own life. And the God of grace, of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, will himself, what, restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. We share that with people. That's really our message to the world, is that when we open our lives to God as imperfect people and we're forgiven and we're renewed and restored, we're able from our own experience to share that with others so they can receive the same gift of forgiveness and renewal too. It's it's what we're supposed to do. The second thing is, is we need to look in the mirror. Say to the person next to you, look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. So, so just because we're forgiven doesn't mean that God doesn't want us to think about our mistakes. He doesn't just gloss them over. Peter denies Jesus three times. Right? Then Jesus says, do you love me three times? Jesus wants Peter to think about where he's been and what he's done. He wants him to have self-awareness. The most tragic thing is to grow to be a 50-year-old adult with no self-awareness, right? It's everybody else's fault. I'm always the victim. We don't learn from our mistakes. And the gospel is, is this, is that God's love is big enough where we can look at ourselves. We can be honest with God, and we know that what God wants for us is not to punish us, but to make us better. Boy, think about that in terms of parenting. If you just want a great lesson for being a parent, help your, uh, help your kids, help your children learn from their mistakes. You know, don't just gloss them over. Oh, it's okay. Well, it's, it's not. Help them learn, love them, forgive them, but help them learn so they have a level of self-awareness. Peter, if Peter is going to be the leader of the church, Peter is going to 
have to have some self-awareness. He's going to have to be broken. And in this moment, you know what is getting broken for Peter? It's his pride. Now, you may know this, but in the Greek, there's a lot of different words for the word love. And this is really fascinating. Are you bored yet? I'm just asking because, I mean, I'm always excited about everything. And I look around and people are going, hey. Yeah. But, but, yeah. There are two words in the Greek here in this story used for love. Agape and phileo. Agape is the word that means the unconditional, unwavering love and support. Phileo is, a, is a, another form of love. It's a little bit lower form of love. It's brotherly love. It's not unconditional. It's brotherly affection. Okay, so to say I love you unconditionally is different than saying I love you like a brother. Those are two different, two different ways of saying it. Here's an issue. Jesus looks at Peter and says, do you agape me? Do you love me with unwavering commitment and support? And what does Peter say? Jesus, I phileo you. you, That's really, it's right there in the text. It's interesting. And then he says a second, do you agape me? And Peter goes, I phileo you. Now, you read that and you go, gosh, he is just not very bright. (laughs) But no, actually, there's something really powerful that's going on here. In the past, when Jesus would talk to Peter, Peter was over-promising and under-delivering, writing a check with his mouth that he couldn't cash. Yes, I'm all the way. I'm all in. I'm your man. I won't fail. I won't deny. But here, for the first time in Peter's story, Peter is acknowledging, I don't have perfect love for you. I'm imperfect. See, that's important, you know, that, that he is, we see him being humbled here. And the third thing is, in this story, the third observation is love's a powerful motivator. When you meet God in that way and know that he loves you, you'll do anything for him. I heard you say that, Elizabeth. When a teacher says, I love a student, the student will do anything for the teacher that loves him. Well, when you learn how much Jesus loves you, you'll do anything for him. And so Jesus is looking at him and saying, do you, have, do you love me? I love you. Do you love me? And so he's not guilting him into performing. He's not guilting him or shaming him or punishing him. He's asking him about love. Love, we will sacrifice everything for love. It's love that causes us to sacrifice and to give away our life to another person for the rest of our life as our spouse. And he's saying, do do you love me like that? Do you will give yourself Give yourself to me. Love's just a powerful motivation. Paul, Paul, Paul the apostle knew about that more than anybody. He was a scoundrel, a, a difficult person. And Paul would later write in 2 Corinthians about how love compels us. He says, Christ's love compels us. Christ's love has us in its grip. Christ's love is overwhelming us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all have died. And so Paul, out of that love, served and gave himself away. Now, this is what happens when we open ourselves up to God and we're doing the work. Okay? Now, here's what happens in the story. Do you remember? You, you put your own belt on and went wherever you wanted to go, right? 
And at some point, they're going to take your belt off. They're going to tie you up with your belt and lead you where you don't want to go. Do you know what he's talking about? He's talking about, his, he's talking about crucifixion. He's saying, Peter, just like I was crucified, later on in life, you're going to be crucified. Now, you hear that and you go, I wish there had been some fine print, right? I didn't know that. I'm looking for a new religion because I don't want to die. But I want you to hear this in terms of Peter. For Peter, that was an incredible state of confidence in him. Because what happens? In the moment of trial, what happens? Peter caves. But Jesus is looking at him and said, I know in your future, there will be a moment in your future, Peter, when you will not cave. I have confidence in you. Now, with all Peter's failures, Jesus is looking at him and speaking confidence to him. I have confidence in you that in that moment of your hour when you have to stand up for me again, you will do it. And then he looks at him and says, follow me. And that's exactly what Peter did. Peter goes to Rome. Under the emperor Nero, Peter is executed. He's crucified. He says, I am so unworthy to be crucified as Jesus was crucified that he's crucified upside down on Vatican Hill in Rome. And where he was crucified and where he was buried is where St. Peter's Basilica is built. And you look at that big, beautiful building and you think it represents perfection, but it doesn't. It represents imperfection. The reason that Basilica was built was to honor a man whose life was imperfect, but who just kept giving himself to Jesus again and again until Jesus made him the man that he was called to be. You know what? The Bible says that you are the temple that he's building. And the temple that he's building will be made from the stones and the rubble of your failures and your mistakes. Now, it has, this is, this is the, the I, I love this about the Bible. You know, I could wrap it up here right now and go, well, that was really, that was great. But there's always a twist to the story. You ready for the twist? Okay, here's the next part of the story. Look what happens. You think Peter's got it. Finally, Peter gets it. And then here in these verses... Peter turned around and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. Now he's talking about John who wrote this gospel. This is the one who leaned against Jesus at the meal and asked him, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw this disciple, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about him? Did you catch that? Jesus, you just got on to me big time. Now what about him? Think how he's a rock we should call him blockhead. Because just as, soon, just as soon as he gets it, just as soon as he gets it, he's going, he's going, yeah, okay, all right, Jesus, now you just gave me a scolding, now let's get on to him too. It's like a little brother telling on a sister or a sister telling on her brother. I go, but this is so great. And Jesus replied, what does Jesus say? Hey, look, why are you worried about him? Worry about yourself and follow me. I love that. You know why I love that? Because the work with Peter is never done. It's not just one encounter. It's multiple encounters, multiple touches. When you read through the book of Acts, it's one mistake after another, but he never gives up, and Jesus sees coming to him again and again and again. And my word to you is, is, is there are no perfect people here. And we just keep 
opening our lives to him, and he will create us and make us anew and forgive us and turn us into the people that he's called us to be. And we'll never, ever get it right. But if we open ourselves to him, he will continue to teach us and to show us what's the best way for our lives and to bless other people. Now let me ask you, don't you think that an imperfect Peter is a lot more attractive than a perfect one? Of course. Don't you think to the world outside struggling with sorrow and loss that an imperfect church is more appealing than a perfect one? Tell the world, we're not perfect. But Jesus loves me.